0: We want to see Jesus on purpose. We want to see his purpose for coming. And I'm convinced that one of the greatest ways for us to do that is just listen to what he says about why he came. We're going to do that again this morning. And we're in John chapter 10, so I want you to get your Bibles, if you would, please, and open up to John chapter 10. We listened to verses from this when uh, Brian Roderick preached a few weeks ago about the good shepherd. Remember that? That Jesus called himself the good shepherd, the great I am statements, I am the good shepherd. Well, in the middle of that, here in John chapter 10, he gives us this reason that he came. He says, starting in verse 8, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out And find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And that's where we're going this morning. You and I were made to live, right? That has been interrupted, and Jesus came to restore it. That's it in a nutshell. God created us to live. Jesus came to bring us into that life. And I want us to look at that in some detail this morning. Whether you are J.D. Rockefeller or Tom Brady or H.D. Estes or Tom Brown, anyone else who's listening this morning, God created you to live. And Jesus came so that you could be back in that life the way that he designed for it to be. Real life, abundant life. So I want to start with that this morning, that you and I were made for the purpose of living, and that's the beginning part of this. God made you to live. Let that sink in this morning. God made you to live. When we talk about hell, and when we talk about being completely separated from God forever in hell, we talk about that with tears, That's not some fact that we enjoy. It's something that ought to strike horror into our thinking. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 32, God says, I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord. So turn and live. God created you to live. And as a person created in God's image, as a person who was given an eternal soul, you're special among his creation. James says, by his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. He gave us dominion over creation. And then Adam and Eve sinned, and death entered the scene. Brian just talked about that. And then God set in motion this solution. It is a complex, costly, long-term plan. Why go through it? Why go through all of that? It's because we humans were made for the purpose of living. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Turn there in your Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'll give you a head start. 2 Corinthians 5. It's right after 1 Corinthians, last time I checked. Here we go. We're going to read the first five verses there in chapter 5. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Now, what are those verses talking about there in 2 Corinthians 5? What's the subject at hand? Well, what's it really say a lot about? Life is one, but there's, it's a lot about death, isn't it? There's a lot in there about dying. But did you go back over the verses and take a look? Even though dying and death are really a part of that, those things aren't mentioned there once. Because, like someone observed, that we're made to live. Those verses are about life. We're not made to be swallowed up by the earth. We're made to be swallowed up, Paul says, by life. We live in an earthly home. We live in a tent. We're waiting for our real home. We're waiting to be swallowed up by life. That's how this existence is supposed to end. There is a life that God has created us to live, every one of us. doesn't matter who you are this morning. God created you for the purpose of living. He has prepared us, it says there in 2 Corinthians 5, for this very purpose. That's his plan. When you got out of bed this morning, that was true of you. God had already planned for you to live. That is his desire for you. Amen? We were made to live. Here's something else that is also true and an important part of this thought line this morning, and that is that a thief has interrupted your life. A thief. For the past couple of weeks in our neighborhood, there have been some kids who in the wee hours of the morning found it important to go around the neighborhood and go through people's cars and take stuff out. And so more and more our neighbors are making and checking video footage to identify and to stop the thefts because guess what? No one likes being robbed. Nobody likes the feeling of insecurity. If you've ever been robbed, if you've ever had something taken from you, maybe it's not that the thing itself was taken, it's that feeling of insecurity that's a problem, isn't it? Nobody likes to be robbed. Well, for Jesus' audience, he's talking there in John chapter 10, where we're at today, in the context of that of sheep. Because that's something they could grasp. Eventually they would get it. So there are sheep, and there is a shepherd he talks about, and there are also sheep thieves he talks about. And when a sheep thief hits the flock, it's for nothing good. He says the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, destroy. He interrupts life. So this Herd of sheep, any herd of sheep without a shepherd, scatters, and it's in deep trouble when a thief attacks. Jesus looks on the crowds. He looks on a hungry crowd, and it says he feels compassion. Another point, Matthew 9, verse 36, Jesus looks on the crowd, and you can just see the pain in his face, and you can see the wrenching in his gut because it says there, he looks on them and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed and helpless. You've seen crowds like that, haven't you? I mean, just a few blocks from here today, right after we leave this building, if you haven't lately, you could go see crowds like that. You can see them walking out of Target. You can see them walking into Harbor Freight. You can see them coming out of Cracker Barrel. You can see them walking into Walmart. Just a few minutes from here, crowds and crowds of people harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And they were made for the purpose of living. That's God's plan. But a thief has stopped that from happening like it was designed to happen. Maybe for our purposes today, it would help us to think about this, not so much like a flock of sheep. How many of you have sheep at home? It's, yeah. Yeah. So we have a harder time relating to these things sometimes. Maybe, though, if we were to talk about it in terms of a crime scene. Or the scene of some tragedy like you see on the news, like after a tornado's been through a town, and there are people who are hurt there, and there's damage there, and they're standing around in grave danger sometimes still, dazed, needing help, somebody needing to be there to help them. There's death, mayhem, shock, and fear, and you look at that scene. Think about that for a moment, all right? Let that be a reminder to us that this world that you and I currently live in is largely occupied by our enemy. Don't let that paralyze you, but don't expect that this world is going to be just all right as long as that's true. Have you seen that meme of the dog sitting drinking coffee and it says everything's fine, the room's on fire, the dog is melting, everything's fine. Don't expect that to be true as long as we're in this world. Satan is called the god of this world. Did you know that? The god of this world. The prince of the power of the air. Paul says we are fighting against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This thief has come. This thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus is teaching us some situational awareness here. Baby is born and parents have great hopes and dreams of the things that he'll do one day and then sometime shortly after his birth the doctor sits them down and explains to them they've found out he's severely disabled. Young man is a promising athlete his future looks bright but he gets a a minor sports injury which puts him on medication for pain and that medication for pain leads him into the world of addiction And his dreams go away. Starry-eyed couple has the picture-perfect wedding. He's handsome and hardworking. She's beautiful and creative. But somewhere in the midst of trying to work that all out and live it all out, they both decide to abandon their vows, and they toss their lifetime covenants aside for the proverbial grass on the other side of the fence, which looked greener. And turns out to be Kale, by the way. (laughs) Another couple who's got decades together under their belts slides into their retirement years only to find that they're going to spend most of those retirement years in doctor's offices trying to stay ahead of the years as they rush along. Put yourself in there, too. Whether it's on a larger scale or a smaller scale, life didn't go like you wanted it to. Amen? Dreams were lost. It wasn't supposed to be this way. And I'm sorry. Whatever that is in your life, I'm sorry. You're right. It wasn't supposed to be this way. Life eludes us, and the world leaves us wanting. And even at its very best... Things are going to change, or if they don't, they're going to be temporary and they'll go away. And the thief has interrupted this life. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity talked about this dissatisfaction that we feel inside of us, how that is evidence. That you and I were made to live, but we were made to live in different circumstances. He said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. He's right. And he is simply drawing that kind of a conclusion from the words of Scripture. From the Psalms, where Psalm 42 starts out, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Psalm 63 starts out similarly. God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water, I wonder if C.S. Lewis was thinking of the words of Paul in Romans 8 when he says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We read in 2 Corinthians 5, in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. What is with all of this panting and fainting and groaning? Simple. Life in this world has been interrupted and we find it leaves us dissatisfied. And I want to tell you, if all you're living for is trying to find satisfaction in this world, You better get used to being disappointed. Boy, I make a lousy TV evangelist. (laughs) But let me say this. A better choice would be to stop trying to live like this world is going to satisfy your deepest and most important needs. You need to embrace that basic truth. God made us to live. And that life has been interrupted. Remember the third point? Jesus came to bring life. It all points to the reason that Jesus came. He said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Literally it reads, I came in order that life they might be having and to the overflowing they might be having. Different translations Try to capture this with different words, to have it abundantly, to have it in abundance, to have life in greater measure. To the full, to the fullest, to have life real and eternal. (laughs) Years ago, my first year in Bible college, back in 19... (laughs) I had the radio on one night, and I was messing around with AM dial, and I came up with a late-night radio broadcast... And I can't forget it. I recorded it. It was Dr. Dallas E. Turner, XERF Radio, Del Rio, Texas, 68840. This guy was a, a snake oil huckster radio evangelist. And I recorded much of it, and I remember much of it. That night, he was explaining how Jesus came, John chapter 10, to give you abundant life. And he says, that covers everything. A fine job, a fine car to drive, vacation twice a year, glorious, radiant health. Yes, no good thing will Yahweh withhold from those who follow him. Thank you, Dr. Dallas. It was entertaining, but it didn't give me a very good understanding of John chapter 10, verse 10, when Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it in abundance. What does Jesus mean when he says that? Life to the full. There have been plenty of Dr. Dallas Turner types who have used this verse to sell their false brand of gospel to people who are interested in money, in wealth, in health, and entertainment. But that's not what Jesus is saying, is it? You see, this is the same Jesus who said, If you're going to follow me, this means you've got to deny yourself daily, take up your cross. This is the same Jesus who said, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. This is Jesus who told his disciples, in this world, you will have tribulation. So we've got to harmonize whatever abundant life is with the other things that Jesus said, don't we? What does it mean to have abundant life? Glad you asked that. You might say that Jesus came to bring real life to people who think they're currently living it. <laughs> How I wish I could help them see that. How I wish I could help people who think they're living abundant life right now and they're not. That they could. It's like the movie The Sixth Sense. Remember that? Haley Joel Osmet saying, remember the line. I see dead people walking around like regular people. They don't see each other. They only see what they want to see. They don't know they're dead. Jesus came that all of us might have life, overflowing life, above and beyond life, the word means, and that is certainly about life with him in heaven forever. But in some sense, it is also about life in Him until then. It's about contentment and peace and fulfillment and an assurance that this world can't give you an abundant life. You know, when you're convinced that there is something about living in this world that's going to fully satisfy you, if I just had this, if I could just get this, fill in the blank, I'd be satisfied in life." If that's where you're at, then you are saying that you don't want anything better than this life. Do you really want to live there? Is that really where you want to stay? Jesus said, Matthew chapter 6, don't be like the hypocrites, don't be like the hypocrites who." who give so that other people can see and who pray where other people will see and who fast so that other people will know they're fasting. Because why? Because truly I say to you, they have received their reward. You see, those are the people who have cashed in or cashed out. That's the phrase, isn't it? They've cashed out. They got their equity from their good deeds now. They got their kudos here rather than laying up for themselves treasures in heaven. They sold their life assurance policy for instant gratification. Jesus says, don't be like them. I don't know how you would describe your life today. Well, some of you I do because you tell me. And I mean that in a good way. I ask you. But I can tell you that God has blessed this guy way beyond what I deserve. How am I doing? Go ahead, ask me. I'm better. I'm doing better than I deserve. Way beyond. And over the years, that's still being true, over the years I've also watched some things fall through that I had planned to go differently. I've come to realize that many dreams aren't going to be realized in this life. And I've become convinced that nothing in this world is worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. One day in heaven. I am living life with that out in front of me. Instead of living life with a constant frenzy to try to be satisfied now before it's all over. thinking it's just as good as it's going to get. I'm pretty sure that Jesus didn't come, that I might have always the current iPhone or the perfect health to age 99 or semi-annual vacations around the world every year. Balance of nature will help you get there, but I'm pretty sure that Jesus didn't come for me to just have those things. You see, you can... Try to have abundant life the world's way, and you can buy everything that you think will make you happy. You can check off every item on a bucket list that would put Evel Knievel to shame. You can visit every destination, every land that could possibly be visited. You can fill every hour of your life with distractions and entertainment. You can use media to get your name all over the world, even your face. And you can use every supplement and medical means not to age or break down. And when you have done all of those things, you'll make the same discovery as everyone else who has tried that abundance of things in life is not the same as abundant life lived in Jesus Christ. Where are you on this? That's an important question. Where are you? This past week, um, my brother Ken, he's my youngest brother. I'm the youngest, but he's my youngest brother. We were texting, and he sent this. He didn't know he's going to get quoted today. He said, less and less of the here and now holds any interest for me. I'm all in favor of the Lord interrupting my plans and getting on with it, however they may look. The Lord is preparing a place for me. He is also preparing me for that place. I'm growing tired of being around all these people who are getting old. (laughs) (laughs) Have you noticed them? Some of them are in your mirror. (laughs) Are you them? See, that's really the, the oh yeah, so what part of this message. Here it is. Every one of us needs to stubbornly take hold of life that is lived for Jesus and to not allow anything that tries to substitute for it to get in the way of that. And until we learn to do that, we're not going to be living this overflow life that Jesus came to give us. God created us to live. Jesus came to bring us into that life. 2004, Tim McGraw put out a song, Live Like You Were Dying. Heard that song? It's a a story about a guy. He's visiting his doctor. He has had some kind of brush with death. And he asks the doctor, when you got that kind of news, what did you do? And so the rest of the song is the doctor telling him the list of things that he did. I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bowl named Fu Manchu. And I loved deeper, and I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. And the bottom line is that he began to live life like it wasn't guaranteed, like he was living like he were dying. Has some pretty good words, actually, that song. I like the idea of encouraging one another to be our best and do these kinds of things that we ought to do because our life here is going to end one day. I was thinking that followers of Jesus, and maybe you can't sing like Tim McGraw, but we've got an even better angle than that, that we should be living like people who know that life is guaranteed, shouldn't we? That we should live like we are living. And yeah, go skydiving and go Rocky Mountain climbing. And I don't know about 2.7 seconds on a bull. That's just nuts. But live life like it's not depending on all of those things then to be your fulfillment in life. Live like you're living. How are you living this morning? (laughs) See, God made for you to live. That's his agenda. There's a thief who has interrupted that, he has an agenda. Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full. That's God's agenda. Where are you at this morning? I want to invite you, whoever you are online, here in person, to that life on behalf of Jesus Christ so that his work that he did for you won't go to waste where you're concerned, that you would live like you're living in him. Not to be caught up in the things of this world as if they're going to somehow satisfy you but to be a person who lives that abundant life he has. We want you to have that this morning. He wants you to have that. It means, like Jesus said, that you deny yourself, that you take up your cross daily, you follow him. That's part of it. And if you haven't done that, you need to start that today. So I want to invite you today to leave your old life behind. If you need to accept Jesus Christ for the very first time in your life, leave your old life behind. Follow the one who is God in flesh, who came to give you life. Be baptized into him. Start a new life in Jesus. You can do that today. What a great blessing it was last week as we started our worship time to watch Abby be baptized. Wasn't that wonderful? The Bible says, that we bury that old person of sin and we are raised to walk a new life. That could be you this morning. We'd love for you to make that choice. Let's stand up together. We're going to pray together. and, and In just a moment here, uh, we'll be singing a song. I'm going to be down here at the front. Um, this front, by the way, of our auditorium is always a good place to come down to. If you just need somebody to sit and pray with you, somebody to put an arm around you and encourage you, you're going through some tough things, This is a place to do that. And this is a church family who will literally come to your side. So if you've got a choice, uh, if you've got a decision like that to make this morning, come down here as we're singing this song. Let's pray. Father, thank you for life in Jesus Christ. Thank you that you made us with a purpose that we didn't just uh, randomly appear here and, and live out our days until they're over but that you have designed for us to live. Thank you that the work of Jesus Christ gives us victory over the enemy. And God, I pray that whatever uh, dreams have been lost, whatever aspect of life we have found to disappoint us, that it would just drive us even further and further toward you to find real life. Help us to live. Life to the full, as Jesus described it. And help us, Lord, to be prepared for life with you forever. Let this day, this moment, be an important part of that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.